Hey, everybody, this is Adam from the Pothole Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, Joey and I have a very special guest on today's episode. We have none other than Christian Taylor from the Holy Post Podcast, and we're so excited to have her. Today's episode is broken into two episodes. We had such a great interview with Christian, we decided to split it into two. So today, you'll hear the first half, and next episode, you will hear the second half of our conversation. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Welcome to the Pothole Pastor Podcast. I'm Joey. And I'm Adam. And we have a very special guest with us, our first guest, in fact, none other than Christian Taylor. Hey, everybody. How are you? Hey, we are good. So happy to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I've never been on the Pothole Pastors Podcast. <laughs> Nobody has, Nobody. So, <laughs> except us. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to congratulate you on starting a new podcast. That's an exciting endeavor, and uh, I know it's you know trep- it's trepidatious, or you're entering it with a lot of trepidation, I should say. So, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank you for what you do with Sky and Phil and the Holy Post. It's a big like motivator to us, inspiration to us of like, hey, there's people here making a difference and talking about mm-hmm. real stuff. So why, you know, why not us? So thank you for your inspiration in the Pothole Pastors podcast. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, you should explain about that other podcast that you're talking about and uh, tell us who Sky and Phil are. <laughs> yeah, Adam, you want to go for it? You're the one who introduced it to me. Yeah, so I, well, I was introduced to Sky by Joey because he was reading the With book and he was always telling me like about this book he was reading. I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. And so I read it and like I grew up in church my whole life, but like the book was like, oh man, why didn't I realize like a relationship with God is the center of everything? Like it just kind of clicked. And so I started like reading more of the book, seeing other stuff that he did. And that's when I found the podcast. And then I started listening, like, dude, Joey, you got to listen to this. It's not only funny, (laughs) which I appreciate, but it's also very, a lot of really good thoughts, um, just things happening in our culture today and talking about it from a Christian perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate it because not a lot of people talk about that kind of stuff, you know, with that in mind. And I just really appreciate that because I learn a lot every time I listen. Yeah. And I think like something I really appreciated about it was the diversity of thought and opinion that comes Mm -hmm. onto the show. It's not a partisan one way or another. Um, I just love that because then you can have real conversation and nuanced conversation. And um, so I I latched onto that immediately. And I'm just like, why don't we have more things like that? And then very humbly, we decide to start one of like, we don't know everything, but we at least talk and we feel like we at least give fair, you know, critiques and without being, we, our big thing here is like being constructively critical without being cynical. Because you know, I think it's very mm-hmm. easy to be cynical and get on a high horse and then pride, you know, takes over and humility goes out the window. But um, yeah, so thank you so much for what you do there. And for all of our listeners yeah. who have not heard of the Holy Post podcast, Go on, well, wherever you listen to our podcast, you probably can also listen to the Holy Post there. So listen to Christian, listen to Phil, listen to Sky, listen to Christian, rain in uh, Sky and Phil. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, the Holy Post podcast is our second iteration. We started off as the Phil Vischer podcast. That's true. And that can still be found. And Phil Vischer is the creator of Veggie Tales and also What's in the Bible. 
Um, he also voiced a lot of the characters, but namely Bob the Tomato. And um, Phil, uh, I guess around 2012, maybe, he started going around to colleges and meeting with college kids, and they were had grown up on VeggieTales. And they really wanted him to weigh in on cultural issues of the day. And so I think he enjoyed talking about deeper things and wanted to pursue um, speaking out to that audience in a different way. So he asked me to produce a um, television talk show, which we did four episodes of, and it's sitting on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> and then I was like, well, we can do um, we can do a podcast. It doesn't cost anything. And we can do the same format. So that's basically what we did. He invited Sky Jatani, who is a pastor and a teacher. He's the author of With and Futureville and What's Wrong with Religion and Divine Commodity. He has got a whole list of things. Um, and yeah, I was supposed to be just the producer, but uh, somehow got roped in. And now I am the everyman and the one that's like, hey, why are we talking about this story? I mean, this week it was something about Molly Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth, you know, separating and i'm like why are we talking about this <laughs> on this podcast what is the point <laughs> so anyway yeah um i love doing it i've grown a lot spiritually since i've been there um and so for me that's why i continue to do it it's not something i get paid for it's genuinely um i my views in theology and in you know um politics have really been shaped by being around Phil and Sky so much. So, um, but I digress. I've skipped right over your Midwest moment. No, that's fine. Go back to the format. No, that's fine. We, we like to let our, well, I guess I shouldn't say it's not like we've done this before with a guest, <laughs> but I like that you're just sharing like what, yeah. what you do, like how, how we know of you. Because some people might be like, well, how in the world did they know that? You know? And so yeah. you're one third of the, you know, dream team that we hope to be able to have on our podcast one day. So someday, hopefully we can get Phil and Sky onto our podcast. Well, I'll do my best. I'll do my best to help you with that, my friend. You can, so are they bluff people? Like, well, like if you dare them to do it, like, you know, you can be like, I bet you won't. Um, no. And truthfully, um, they, they usually, they're so busy and they have so much going on. It usually has to, um, have some benefit you know, sure. um, or fit in their schedule somehow. Like right. if they were coming to Muncie and they had time on their hands, they would come see you maybe, you know. Yeah. My first question would be like, why in the world are either of you coming to Muncie? You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's not, there's not a whole lot here that there's would not. draw people other than the university, you know, but right. well, hold on a second. I heard something really happened that was sort of interesting in Muncie today. Oh, yeah. See, look, she's even getting us on track. We want to move into yeah. the Midwestern moments. Yeah. So this is where we have to you have to use our ope trigger. Ope. And so that's my lovely wife giving us an ope, moving <laughs> us into the ope, the ope trigger, the Midwestern moment. So, Adam, mm. what happened today? Oh, man. Well, first of all, well, we went to Walmart together just today, which is Midwestern enough. Um, but... I was driving. We weren't bored, though, so we weren't going out of Walmart out of boredom. No, we were actually looking for a a little, I don't even forget what we were looking for, or something for the podcast. Anyways, we were driving up, and there was somebody in front of me stopped, and then there was another car on the other side stopped, but there was, like, nobody walking in between. There was, like, cars weren't moving for some reason, 
And I always joke like, oh, we have a Mexican standoff here because they're waiting like, okay, who's going to go first? Like, <laughs> like somebody else is waiting to go. It's like, just keep going. It's like, how many times am I in traffic and someone's trying to be nice? Like, oh no, you go ahead. But they don't wave on. They just kind of wait for the other person. <laughs> no, but see, but this was a Midwestern standoff where it wasn't just waiting. It was a wave battle. Like, it was, you know, it's like, yeah. no, you come on. And then yeah. the next person's like, no, you come on. And, you know, and it's, I mean, no joke, 15 or 20 seconds of just like, and we're like, just somebody go, you know? <laughs> yes. So, so we just, we looked at each other and we're like, it doesn't get a whole lot more Midwestern this week than uh, we were talking about how frustrated we are because we had so many moments happen to us before we started the podcast. And now it seems like we're just like in this slump where we're not yeah. experiencing much Midwestern stuff, but. Well, you uh, know, it's kind of, you know, when you're looking for it, it's like that, you know, I don't know, the black squirrel, when you're looking for it, it never appears. But when you don't, it's there all the time. Those yeah. are all over Muncie. So if you want they to see are. a black squirrel, just you come to Muncie. They are. All right. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. But Christian, well, you had said you had one, right? Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, well, I mean, really, it wasn't a per- in-person one, but I was watching the news today on NBC Chicago. Did you guys hear about the alligator that was in Humboldt Park? No. I, so I, I may have heard about this. Yeah, there's a park in downtown Chicago that just had an alligator randomly in it and it freaked everybody out and um, everybody was you know, had no idea what to do. They had to call a guy from Florida to come up and catch the game. Well, I heard today, this is the Midwest moment, I heard today that the alligator is going to have its own bobblehead. And not only is the alligator going to have its own bobblehead, but um, Frank alligator and i'm doing air quotes here frank alligator rob now will have his own bobblehead so that's what we like to do here in chicago we make (laughs) bobbleheads out of you know anything so that's my best moment alligator bob sounds like it it like it should be part of parks and recreation like a character oh yeah you know that that totally sounds like that should just be on that show yeah or maybe like a spinoff yeah. of Veggie Tales, like Alligator Bones. Ah, yeah, yeah. Not See, bad. There not we, bad. There we go. There's our end with with Phil. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pitch the spinoff. All right, that's awesome. Well, hey, we wanted to spend most of the time of this podcast. Oh, oh, that's the that's the end of our Midwestern moment. <laughs> but we wanted to spend the most of our podcasts just talking with Christian and being able to let our audience know who she is, what she's doing, and just weigh in on some different things that I think some some pretty cool conversation can, can come from. But Christian, instead of us kind of like cherry picking the bio you sent us, why don't you share what you feel like is pertinent and would like everyone to know. And then if we think you missed anything, we'll come through and kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've totally forgotten the bio that I wrote you. I did that really fast. And um, okay. Um, well, I mean, I don't really mind sharing that I'm 52 years old. I live in Wheaton, Illinois, but I'm originally from Laurel, Mississippi. Um, I wanted to be an actress from the time that I was 10 when I saw West Side Story in our local Laurel High School. Um, I then got in a little bit of trouble in my middle years, and my parents did not want anything terrible to happen to me. Uh, So my dad one day uh, chased this boy down that was picking me up to try to take me to school, and he told him he could never talk to me again. But my father made sure that would never happen because he unenrolled me from my eighth grade school that day and drove me to Florida and dropped me off with some friends and enrolled me in Boca Raton Christian School and left me there. And so that was pretty traumatic. Um, 
and but it you know solved his purpose and then um, while I was there my parents became friends with Elizabeth Elliot and if you don't know who oh, Elizabeth yeah, Elliot wow. is you should yeah her husband was Jim Elliot they were both Wheaton College grads and they went on to become missionaries to the Alka Indians in Ecuador and um, they did a whole lot of um, you know ministry trying to reach out to these Indians and they uh, were dropping things from helicopters, and um, one day they decided to land there. And when they did, the Alcas slaughtered all of the men um, there. Um, and then Elizabeth went back years later and raised her daughter with them and led the whole tribe of Indians to Christ. And, um, you know, she's went on to write a whole bunch of books and be a speaker or teacher. And um, she, her daughter, and her uh, son-in-law ended up living in Laurel, Mississippi, where I was living. And he uh, was his name was Walt Shepard. He was pastoring a church, and they became friends with my parents. So when Elizabeth Elliot came to visit, uh, my parents said, what should we do with this terrible wayward daughter? And they said, you should send her to the Stony Brook School, which is a Christian school in Long Island, New York. And so the next year, that's where I went. And that's... Um, really changed and shaped my life spiritually, but also creatively. Um, this is the 50th anniversary of the Theatrical Arts Society at the Stony Brook School. Um, it was a thriving community there for many years, or, and still is, started by a guy by the name of Neil Akins, who was a New York actor, and um, he was also a Christian. He just wanted to passionately um, show that Christians could make good art. And so he was very uh, on the cutting edge of what was okay in Christendom because he would do plays like All My Sons or A Raisin in the Sun or To Be Young, Gifted, and Black, you know, different things like that. Um, and so I grew up sort of under his tutelage and fell in love with acting in the theater and decided that's what I wanted to do when I got out of high, um, high school. So I went to the Catholic University of America because they had a great drama program. I got a scholarship for broadcasting. By that time, my parents had moved to Washington, D.C. My dad was the deputy undersecretary of agriculture under Ronald Reagan. And um, we were living in Washington, and I was working on Capitol Hill as a radio and television intern. So I had kind of two sides of the entertainment world going from the time that I was like 14 all the way until I was about 22. Um, and then I left uh, there to be a wife and a mom and started a family until we ended up living in Wheaton. My husband's a lawyer and um, I'm not far from Wheaton College. And one day he's like, you need to go back and do what you love to do. So he stayed home very early in the morning with the kids. And I went and did um, the morning news at Wheaton College Radio. And if there are any young husbands listening, I want to encourage you because I know I'm talking to two of them. Um, really encourage your wives in what they love to do because it will grow them into, I think, some incredible women and what God wants them to be. And so he sacrificed for me so that I could go and, um, you know, do the morning news at WETN radio. And then he bought me voiceover lessons um, as a gift for my 40th birthday. Wow. And then, you know, bought me the equipment that I needed to get started. So all the way along, my husband has been the one um, urging me on to become a fully developed um, woman of God. And so I cannot give him enough kudos for how he's loved me that way. Um, and then I started just working in voiceover because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and also do something creative because I am 
so not a homebody. Like staying at home with four little kids and doing laundry and dishes and cooking all the time and like hardly seeing anybody on the outside. My soul was dying. My creative soul was dying. Um, so I did, I was pairing the voiceover and the acting pretty well with being a stay at home mom. And, um, it helped me create a community. Uh, but what I realized was, um, I had originally left the theater because I did a national tour. Um, and there were 10 guys and four girls and it was a totally secular group of humans, uh, doing much ado about nothing and George Orwell's animal farm traveling all over the U S and they wanted to share hotel rooms and dressing rooms and they were drinking and carousing. And I was just not super comfortable at all. And so I, I was like, Lord, if this is what acting is, I cannot live like this. And so I quit. And I was like, Lord, I don't want, uh, if this is what it is, I don't want it. And so if I ever come back in it, I want it to be, um, I want to do what you would have me do. Um, and so once I started getting back into that, I started seeking the Lord for how I could be in the entertainment world and yet glorify the Lord. And I began to feel like I was a missionary sent into another uh, country because it was a very different group of people that I was around all the time. Um, but it became my mission field. And um, Sky Jatani talks a lot about, and Phil too, talks a lot about how um, the sacred needs to invade every aspect of what we do. You know, we, we sort of separate um, our world into what good and spiritual and then the rest of the world. But I think the way God created it is for those things to be completely intertwined. And um, so I think God made me creative and he, um, you know, called me to live in this world among these people. And so, so anyway, I just feel like um, I'm there. Art is just my medium, but I'm there to really, um, draw a light or draw, you know, shed a light on who Christ is with whoever I talk to. So, um, that being said, I would just go from group to group volunteering my time. And I was volunteering on a lot of productions. I got a lot of production experience. And, um, so the Lord kind of primed me for when the next big event happened. Um, and I, the other thing I want to say is, did you guys ever see facing the giants? Yeah. yeah, So one thing that was super inter- instrumental to me was when um, there was this scene. It was like I was really trying to figure out how could I revive this acting dream? What did I need to do? How did I go about it? And do you remember when that prophet guy was going through the locker rooms and was praying for all the students? And you remember he talked to the coach and he gave him the parable about the two farmers? Yeah. You know, there yeah. were two farmers. Both of them prayed for rain. One actually went out and plowed his fields and which one do you think the rain fell on, you know? And that really spoke to me. And I was like, okay, I can't just fly around and pray and hope that someday something just happens and I become this. Um, I have to plow my field. And so I began doing the work that I would need to do uh, for when God would bring the rain. As I look sort of back at my career, that was a very pivotal moment for me career-wise because um, I just had this longing in my heart to do something, but it was just, I guess, a wish. I hadn't done anything to like make that happen. I just thought God would wave a magic wand, I guess, and then it would happen. Um, 
But I look back now and the work that I did was totally plowing the field until the Lord brought the rain in 2015. Wow. That's cool. Christian, what was some of the unique challenges you faced just like in the entertainment industry and acting and everything? I know you, you kind of alluded to some of those things already, but maybe some things that you just didn't expect, you know, going into, um, I don't, I don't know if you'd call it Hollywood or whatever, you know, but kind of going into the entertainment industry, what are some of those, like the biggest challenges you face and how, and how did you, you know, live faithfully for Jesus during those times? Well, there were two total shocks. One to me was how many Christians I found. It was crazy. It didn't matter what set I was on, what voice acting studio I was in. I would meet a believer and a legitimate, like God honoring, God seeking Christian who that was their complete passion. And I'm super vocal about my face, obviously. And so I know that that's why I found them. But I just couldn't believe how many Christians there were. It was just like we were all so closeted. Everybody was so afraid to really, you know, say, I'm a Christian. So anyway, I was really surprised to find out how many Christians there really were that were actors and actresses. Um, And then the other thing that really did take me by surprise was, and it shouldn't have, but it did, how alluring it was. Um particularly when I told you before how hard it was to be a mom. It's, it was very, for me, you're like serving in the shadows. And, and that was just really hard for me on something that did not look like it made any difference. You know, I wake up the next morning and I may have done laundry, but there was a whole nother pile. Same with dishes, same with food. It was the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, I never got a report card. I never got new applause. I never got anything. And um, so it was hard to find joy in that at the time. But all of a sudden, when I was doing something out there, A, people saw what I did and they gave me feedback for that. But B, when I would go out and socialize and men would give me attention or people would talk about what I had done, uh, it made me feel happy and it made me feel so excited and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I had another friend that was a Christian that went through that same thing. And I kind of watched hers was even more so than mine because she was just beautiful. And I saw for both of us how alluring that lifestyle, that success, the feeling of attention was. And um, I had to be very diligent not to be lured away into that and to try to balance the hard things at home with the excitement of having a career and being out in the world. Yeah, wow. Christian, I'm curious, um, being like a creative artist, um, I mean, I make videos. I went to college for that. Joey's very much a creative person too, doing music. And when I was in college, one thing that I really noticed with other students that I was with is the creative aspect of things, whether it's video, music, or whatever it is, um, you can get so involved into it that like it becomes your life in a sense. And for me, when I was trying to better myself and establish yourself um i I caught myself being like oh man am i getting too involved is my faith taking a back step because i'm so involved in how can i make myself better in this 
And I'm curious, how do you as a creative person kind of keep in check of, because obviously you're really proud of the art you create and it's a part of who you are, but it's not your identity, like our identities in Christ. So how is it hard for you to like keep a reminder of yourself of like, yes, my art, I love it. It's important, but it's not my identity. If that makes sense. That is no longer hard for me, but that's because I've spent a lot of years in counseling struggling with my search for significance and, you know, who am I and, um, you know, what do I value and all of that. So I really understand that my identity comes from Christ. It can't come from a husband. It can't come from friends. It can't come from, you know, my job. It can't come from what I look like. Um, but a lot of that's through the school of hard knocks. I mean, I'm going to give you a very embarrassing, but very real thing when I was young I was very thin and boys loved me you know I had I I was very attractive and I knew it and um and then after I had kids I gained a lot of weight I gained a lot of weight my life changed and all of a sudden I'm kind of invisible and um I didn't realize how much of my identity was wrapped up in what I looked like until I didn't look like that anymore and um so that's a that was a tough lesson for me that revealed that I had put my identity and worth and value in what I looked like and what my looks could do. Um, and the Lord did that with just about every single aspect of my life. It was like a come to Jesus meeting in every aspect. And, um, until I was really realized that, um, my, my only real identity is in my relationship with him. And the only way that I can maintain that, honestly, it is a close connection every single day with the Lord because it's a battle. Like yeah. you, you have to constantly, I'm overcorrecting. There are some days where I can't spend time with the Lord or I don't. And I realize I'm getting further away from the center of where I'm supposed to be in priorities. And um, so that time, spending time with the Lord for me is key in keeping me centered with those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's awesome. It kind of, it reminds me of um, the parable with the rich young ruler. You know, I, I was just preaching about this a few, a few weeks ago at my home church, but it's, um, I think it's interesting. Like Jesus wasn't cruel to him. You know, the rich young ruler came and he was like, Hey, I've done all these things you've said for me to do. And the gospel of Mark says that Jesus looked at him and, and that text, that, that word implies that like intently looked at him and said he loved him and said, you're lacking one thing and you have to go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor, then come follow me. You know, and I think like kind of similar what you're saying of like the Lord pointed those things out to you repeatedly, but it was because he loved you and it wasn't because he was trying to be cruel or run you through the ringer or you know, it's like sometimes we can think of like, man, what did I do to, for God to treat me like this? But God treats us because he like, like we, like he does, cause he loves us, you know, and, and he sees that what we're pursuing ultimately is not going to make us happy. It's only, it's temporary, but his love is, is not temporary and it's unconditional and everything else we're chasing is conditional. But, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that Christian. That's really cool. Yeah. I think we have a screwed up idea of what love is, honestly. And I think Mm. it's built on Disney dreams, you know, because (laughs) especially as girls, we grow up thinking that this is what love is. And uh, that's not at all what love is. Um, And it's not until we really look at, um, you know, who Jesus is, how he loves, 
and um, you know, the th- look at the things that happened to him before we realized the true picture of love. And I think we constantly needed to be need to be reminded of that. I mean, I I know that Jesus loves me more now when He does chasten me than if my life is peaceful and happy and there's nothing challenging going on. You know, you think about boot camp. Like I've had two sons now who's gone who's gone through basic training. It is pure hell. It is hell. And, you know, they'll tell you the nightmares of it. And yet they'll tell you that the drill sergeants are there for them. They care about them. And every horrible task they're making them do is to fit them to be a soldier. And if they're not caring about them, if they're not putting them through the drills, they don't care about them. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, that took me a long time in life to learn. Um, I used to brace for bad things not to happen all the time. Um, and now I realize that those bad things are often the things that the, tool, the tools that the Lord uses to make me more like him. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I heard somebody once say it like, uh, true love calls us into truth. You know, it doesn't cover over or like just kind of go beat around the bush or try to just not bring it up. But real love calls us into truth. And um, aren't we glad that God actually does that? <laughs> you know that. It, yeah. Yeah. For awesome. sure. Yeah. I just love it when he does it with me gently. Like I pray every morning, <laughs> like, okay, I know I have stuff to lo- learn today, but I really, I will learn it. If you just, can you like just be gentle with me <laughs> today? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking uh, right before I graduated from college, I mean, being a senior, you're thinking about what am I going to do when I graduate job wise and you want to make a difference and all this type of stuff. And I had things in my mind that I wanted to do. And I was kind of talking to God about stuff that I wanted and then listening to him. And of course, God usually has something different, you know. And I was thinking, I thought, you know, in real life, when you have a parent and their kid and the kid is asking their mom or dad for something like they want candy or whatever it is, um, the parent's like, no, we're going to eat supper or whatever it is. Or sometimes the parent will just succumb and like, well, you shouldn't have it, but I love you. I'm going to give it to you, you know? And I was thinking one day, I thought, man, I'm really glad that God doesn't do that with me. Because I thought some of these desires that I have that I really want to achieve may be good or it could be bad, whatever it is, um, but maybe it's not for right now. And I'm glad that God loves me enough and doesn't succumb to, well, I love you so much, I'm just going to do it for you, but rather it's like, no, this is not right right now. You need to trust me and know that I know what's best. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Which is hard sometimes to, <laughs> to yeah. take. So Christian, what are some, maybe the, obviously you've, you've, you've already taught us a lot of lessons you've learned already, but maybe some of the biggest takeaways you've learned from your time in the inter- entertainment industry faith-wise, and then maybe things that you would do, definitely do differently now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back, you know, what would you do or, or what are you doing differently now in, with your career and with the entertainment industry that you wouldn't have thought to when you first started? Yeah. I mean, that's a tough question, honestly. Um, I think the biggest thing that I have learned is that I, one of the things that I told you guys is that the fact that Jeremy let me go enough and encouraged me to pursue who I was as a person, as a young married mom, that was 
critical in my spiritual development, in my development as, um, you know, a person in general, as a wife and as a mom. Um, I made a lot of mistakes along the way because I am the jump in with two feet. I don't really ask questions. I don't need to know what I'm doing. I just think I'll figure it out. Um, And some people would say, maybe that's not good. But honestly, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it because I have made a lot of mistakes, but it's those mistakes that have taught me uh, so much. And um, I really appreciate the path that I have had. Um, It has been hard. I think, you know, Ken Burns said when I was struggling to make, we're here because I'm making this documentary. And when I was really searching for how to do that, I started watching Ken Burns masterclass. (laughs) And he said at one point, in the introduction, like there is no class you can take. You just have to go do it. And I was like, that's absolutely right. Like in every single one of these things, I just had to jump in and do them and, you know, find out things along the way. Uh, The biggest challenge in all of it is balancing your personal life and your work life, particularly as a wife and a mom. Um, This particular project has been harder for me than any of the others to figure that balance out. Because in my mind, my uh, priority, my hierarchy of priorities, it was always very clear and I stayed very true to it to the best of my ability, um, which is my relationship with God comes first. My relationship with my husband comes next, my kids third, then it's my friends and then work, right? That was the, that was the triangle I was always trying to live in the right way up. And, um, and so there are things that, You know, when you're making a decision, you go through that priority list and figure out, okay, uh, is this decision, does it line up with these priorities? This project that I'm on completely upended that triangle. I've been on this project now for three years. And it was kind of one of those things where there were moments when I thought it was absolutely the right thing to do to spend time with my husband or my kids. And I knew it was. But I knew if I did it, there was no way this project was going to happen. And I felt terrible guilt. But I had heard all the way along that the Lord had called me to do this thing. And I had this whole list of things that I had to do and to be faithful to what he called me to do. Sometimes that meant I had to say no to things that had always been my obvious first priority. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if I made decisions retrospectively correctly. But I will say this, this project is not about the project, not about the film. And that's one thing I learned in art. It's never about the thing, the painting, the movie, the song. It's never about that. As a Christian, it's about what is God teaching me and those involved with me in the project as we do this thing together? And I think that's the biggest thing I've had to keep my eye on all the way through this. Yes, in the beginning, I felt like he called me to do a thing. And he gave me a vision for it. And I started off down the road to be obedient. But I learned very quickly that my goal was not the thing. My goal was seeking Christ in the midst of the thing. And what he wanted to do, the thing was just a vehicle. Can I honor God 
with this responsibility and what I do, what I say, how I use my time, how I use my money, how I treat my family. And I was a mess all over the place trying to figure out the answer to that question. But it's messy trying to figure out who, you know, who God is and how he wants us to work in this world. And at one point I was praying, Lord, I know you called me to this thing. But every lot of people say that. A lot of people say, well, God told me this. Well, Jesus said that. Well, you know, and I was like, well, how do I know? Why can I say this? Because there are a lot of people that tell them God, God told them to do something. And it turns out like it's a really bad thing. And then I read in Jeremiah, you know, that verse where um, somebody comes to Jeremiah and says, you know, um, your cousin's going to come to you and say, you have to redeem this field. And when he does, you need to do it. Well, then his cousin came and he had to redeem the field. And he said, you know, I heard the Lord say to do this, but when it happened, then I knew it was the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of been my guiding principle. It's like, I hear him say something. I walk forward in faith, but it's not until the thing is done that I can look back and say, yep, I can say for certain it was the Lord's voice. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's like so true of just everything in Christian life. (laughs) You know, it's just like, there's so many times you just don't know for sure. I mean, you can have a strong, strong, strong feeling, but you just don't know for sure until after the fact. And you can look back and you can see God's hand all over. You see it in, in ways that you would have never even expected to be able to see and too, like maybe even too naive or young or stubborn to have seen you know, at, at that time. And you just see how good God really is in those moments. So yeah, I, I totally resonate with that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Join us next time as Joey and I continue our conversation with Christian Taylor. Until then, have a good one, everyone.